Backchat Studios is a part of the ACAST Creator Network. Head to backchatpodcast.com.au to sign up as a patron and access all of our merch. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Back in Perth. This is Backchat Basketball Show. You can email us hello at backchatpodcast.com.au or the best way to get in contact with us is on Instagram. As some of you have been, we've got some questions to get to. Backchat underscore basketball. Uh, we post some stuff there. I'm going to commit to posting more, Ben, because it's a bit sad. You've, you've got an excuse. You've been in Melbourne jet sitting around the country the past week. Yes. So we're back in Perth. You're back in Perth. I'm yes. about to leave Perth. So I know. we'll have to sort this out. Things are going to change a little bit with the basketball show. We are going to go. So last week, if you listened or watched, um, it was all remote. It was online. Yes. Um, we will be going to move to that sort of more full time um, because, yeah, you're going to be living in Melbourne. And we're I am. Be Perth, I am. And I'm not going to fly. Like We don't have the budget to fly you in and fly you well, out. Dirk's not in town every week. And no. I'm sorry to break it to you, but you can't look like an intellectual last week because anyone yeah. that watched last week would yep. have seen the wonderful library you had at your yes. disposal over there in Melbourne. wasn't mine. It was a friend of mine. No, who, I'm not sure it. how many of those books he actually reads, but um, it is a nice backdrop to have for a podcast uh, video. But, yes, I was in Melbourne seeing Dirk... Um, what a man. What a great guy. So it was a really good event. Um, there was about seven or 800 people there. Dirk sat on the stage with, a, with another guy and uh, he basically was interviewed. Not me. Don't even know the name of the other guy. I don't care. Not, not, nah, he, no, he was very good. I can't remember the guy's name and it's okay because he doesn't listen to this so he's not going to care. Um, but he did a really good job. He talked about 2011 when they won the championship, um, told some stories. Um, they played some highlights. And then uh, one thing I remember was um, – it was just so good. And then someone asked me, like, oh, what are some of the stories you told? And I'm like, I, I can't remember. It's just one so of those. I've things. got to know, though, some of these events can be a bit, um, what's the word, PR filtered. Yes. I went to Paddy Mills' speaking event late last year. Yep. And I love Paddy, but it was right. more like a promo event for his future political career as opposed to an sure. interesting basketball event. So, so this was completely opposite. Okay, that's so good. They, in, in 2011, in game two against the Heat, the Mavs were down by, I think, 15 with about four minutes left. And it looked like basically the Heat just, they smashed them in game one. They're probably going to smash them in game two. It's over, you know. And they came back, um, crazy comeback. Dirk hit a layup at the end um, for the win with about seven seconds left. And there's this great footage of Dirk just looking sort of shocked and like everyone's going up to him, hitting him. They're like, Dirk, you did it and stuff. And he's sort of just like in sort of disbelief. And that's what I always thought that it was. But he... um. He's, he told how, like, because it was just all such a, like, they were down by so much and, and there was all this stuff happening. He, after this, after this, the um, the buzzer went and, and Dwayne Wade missed that long range three, Dirk didn't even know if they had won or not. Like, he knew it was close and he thought maybe it was, like, going to overtime, but everyone's coming up to him and celebrating and he was just stunned. And it was just, he sort of talked about that over some footage. It was, it was a great event. So that was the classic game where Dwayne Wade was talking smack in front of the bench, right? I remember there being yes. six or seven minutes left and Miami had this massive lead, looked like the game yeah, was over right. he and hit maybe three. series over, would go up 2-0. Yep. And I think then he Dirk did just the went Superman, bananas. He pulled like the Superman um, shirt opening in front of the Dallas bench and um, 
yeah, that was a crazy game. That was a really crazy game. I remember watching that just in, in utter disbelief. So. so did you talk about what it was like winning the finals and the feeling of actually yeah. like winning that game six in Miami and what yeah, actually happened the did, night after with Mike, Mark Human? Yeah, so he said um, that there was definitely an older team, so the, the partying wasn't as crazy as you probably would have expected. But winning was just such an overwhelming feeling for him that, you know, there's that, there's that famous footage of him running off the court um, as the buzzer goes and um, he was telling them to the like NBA officials, um, not the referees, but like the operations people were like, Dirk, you got to come back. You like, you won finals MVP. And he was like, give the trophy to someone else. I don't want it. Like it was just this overwhelming thing. And he just sat in the locker room and cried by himself. So is that what he did? Did he, did he explain what actually happened yeah, in the chain he, room he for that 10 minute period? He said period? that um, he got really teary. Um, I think when in like Eurobasket or something, when they, when Germany won something and he was crying in front of everyone and he's like, I didn't want to do that again. So he's like, um, he just went into the locker room and sat and just cr- and sat by himself and had some time and cried a bit. And then, um, yeah, it was uh, just not the normal thing you'd expect an athlete to do. So, yeah, excellent event. Um, the the guys who put it on was, was did, a, did a great job. So, yeah, I'm glad I went. And, um, you know, quick in and out of Melbourne, three Business Three days, trip. yeah. I did. I did fly over on business class. I know you did say this. This is just really showing how much money is going through the back chat <laughs> no. studios these days. It was a. It was like one of those things where you like you nominate an upgrade with points, and it happened to happen. Um, and so, yeah, I definitely don't need on the flight back. I didn't have business class, but no one sat next to me, and I had probably more room. In that instance. I so. need your luck next time I fly. So is this the first time you've flown business class? Yes. And run yeah. us through because I'm uh, a virgin. Yeah. I haven't got yeah. that experience yet in my life. You've got yeah. to tell me what it's like up the front end yeah, of the plane. Yeah, so it's um, it's pretty good. So I sat on the plane because you go on so early because you're the first on. And I remember sitting down on the plane. It was quite comfortable and I you know played a bit around with some of the buttons. And then I woke up. Um, I don't remember taking off. I woke up to a lady going, would you like something to eat? And I, I was like, oh, okay. So I had like a some some chicken pie thing it was great and a glass of wine as soon as i finished it i moved my tray off because like you know when you're sitting on it in economy like you have to wait until they clear your tray like sometimes you're sitting there for ages with this empty tray of food on your plate um on your lap and so i basically just picked up my tray and moved it off to my side little area where it wasn't in my way (laughs) put my seat all the way back so i was lying flat like i had a pillow a blanket i was lying flat and i fell asleep and i woke up with about to the captain going, oh, we're preparing for landing. It was just, it was that See, good. that sounds like a foreign world to me. I can't comprehend what that would be like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and on the way back, I started uh, White Lotus Season 1 and could not stop watching it. So, so you had, yep. it sounds like the highlight of the trip was the plane right there. <laughs> yeah, <and back. laughs> it was excellent. It was very good. But anyways, let's get to some basketball instead of my escapade. So Josh Giddy, uh, we'll, we'll run through some Australians doing great things in the NBA. Josh Giddy, last 10 games, 20 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists. Or maybe it's the, maybe it's 8... Um, no, nope, eight rebounds, six assists. Crazy good numbers for a guy only in his uh, second, year. second year. And we always knew he was going to be good um, and always looked in control um, and, and playing for a bad team like OKC. He was obviously going to have a lot of the ball. Um, but I don't know if I expected this. And his shooting percentage as well is... Um, where is it? It was actually a good shooting percentage as well. So it wasn't like he's just... Yeah, firing up heaps of shots. No, they're trending up. And it's it's funny, isn't it, that for the past two years, every radio interview or hit I've done, Josh Giddy is the first name they talk about because yes. he's the young, sexy, like new yep. Australian player. 52% for field goal, yeah, by the way. That's very good for him. And if he shoots that, that clip, he could be an all-star one day. And that's mm-hmm. something that I never thought he could be. I thought he'd be a good player in the NBA, yep. a Joe Ingles type that 
has a good role on a good team, but never a trendsetter, I suppose, and never a leading man. Yes. But he's been tremendous over the past month or so, and it's only 10 games. And again, OKC is improving, but they're not yet yes. a playoff team. So I think we need a little bit of context there. Yes. But for him to be scoring 20 points a game, you were running the stats before we started recording, and his splits over the past month look like a Ben Simmons stat line when yes. Ben was at his best. That yeah, 20 exactly. points per game, 8 and 8, yep. filling up the stat sheet. And his passing is already elite, we know that, but yes. he's complementing that to score the ball. And I saw an interview he did last week, and he was talking about how he's understanding that he's big, he's tall, he's strong, even in an NBA context, and how he's gaining confidence attacking the basket, using his size and his strength yes. to get fouls and draw contact. So yeah. it feels like, doesn't it, something has clicked in his mind in yep. his second year, and he's so much more aggressive, and the yep. results are starting to show. He'll be scary, and, and OKC will be pretty scary. I think they start to, you know, with um, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, performing like he is, Josh Giddy, They get like another sort They're of They're going to get Chet back next year. Yeah, and, and then you add like a good veteran piece that's maybe like, I could help these young guys. They start to make the playoffs and then they become a destina- potentially like a destination or, or somewhere that they're like, well, there's really good young talent. We could, we could win with these Become guys. a good team. Even look at Sacramento this year. They've got yeah. two all-star caliber players and they're a good team, not a great team. But the perennial teams in the West, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Warriors, yes. are all sliding back to the pack. And the Kings are in fourth spot now. Yeah. They might even win that division. Yep. So OKC could easily do a similar thing next year that if That's they right. get Chet back, or they haven't even had him yet, if they get Chet mm-hmm. and he's actually a good quality rookie, which people think he will be, yes. plus all the draft picks they have, plus Shea is a top 10 player in the league this year, plus Giddy, plus all their other rookies on contracts that are very cheap and very easy to build around. Yes. They can very quickly elevate in the standings. And yeah, you're right, become a playoff team. And for a team that's been uh, down the bottom the last couple of years, and especially with Giddy, who, like we said, hasn't played an important NBA minute until the mm. past month, we're starting to see him get experience with games that matter with a team that's pushing 500. And if they can keep winning games and be around the fringes of the playing mix, that's going to be massive for the development this year because it allows them to play real games and that's important right. games. When yep. you look at someone like Houston, for example, that are playing meaningless games, you can't judge yeah. anything from that. No. And that's probably the biggest thing I take away from this OK3 winning streak. Yep. The games matter. There's pressure mm. on these guys now. There's going to be mistakes. They actually they can, want to win games. They're not just going yeah. out there trying and they to can learn stats. in environments that are conducive to learning with some pressure, which is good. And I yes. think NBA teams forget that sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Let's go from one Josh to another in Josh Green, who hasn't been playing for around well, 20 games. Has it been that been, long? It's a quarter of the year. I know. I know. And he, he really started to find some form in Dallas and was provi- um, providing an actual – he was an asset for them, whereas in the past he's been like you run him at the end of games if you're down by a lot or up by a lot and maybe he does a couple of flashy things because um, he's so athletic. But he's actually a contributing member of this Dallas Mavericks basketball team. Um, there's a three-man lineup um, with – so when when Josh Green, Luca, and Christian Wood are on the floor together, they're um, – Average offensive score per 100 possessions is 140 points, so very good offensive rating. And defensively, only giving up 91.6, which is – so it's about a 50-point um, – It's a big swing. It's, it's a big swing there. Um, that is only limited possessions. I think it's like 115 possessions. But um, it shows that there is definitely something there. It's probably not that going to be 140 and then the, and the 90, but it does show that he can actually contribute to a team when their good players are on and not just – 
you know, he's the best player out of all the bad players. Yeah, and I think Josh Green has elevated to being a very good 3-and-D role player mm. this year, and that sometimes is taken to be a bit of a condescending comment. But in NBA circles, that's great, because around Luka yep. Doncic, you need those players. Oh, he'll, he'll play for 10, 15 years if he's that. He can get a contract after the year, and if he can get back to his form from the first two months of the season, mm. perform like that, perform in the playoffs... You're talking a $100 million contract that's probably going to come his way. Mikhail Bridges got that in Phoenix two years ago. Yep. And Josh can do a lot of what Bridges does in Phoenix. So that's one thing personally for Josh and for Dallas. They need Josh Green back because, again, Luca is, we talk about this every week, having an outstanding season. We can yes. slice and dice all the stats. But still, the team's only three games above 500. Yeah. And they're in fifth spot, but that speaks more to what I said before about the West being average through the middle. Yes. So, again, they, Dallas need all the players they can get. And they need Josh Green back competing because it's less about what is happening right here and right now. But as the season goes along, injuries hit. And I know Josh is coming back from one. Yes. But if Luca misses a game, this team has no chance of winning yeah. games. They're, so they're like two and not, two yeah. and ten when he doesn't score thirty points, and so that includes games that he's not yeah. actually playing. Like it's 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 bad. It's insane. And I'm just looking at the fixture here. Dallas have six of the next eight games at home before All Star break. Yes. So Josh is coming back at the right time because they need to bank some of these wins. They've got Atlanta the Wizards, Detroit, New Orleans. Yes. They need to be winning those games. That's if right. If they want to finish top four, and to be fair, if Luca wants MVP, mm. he needs to finish top four. You, home, you definitely games. need probably home court um, in the playoffs if you want to have an MVP season. Um, and uh, uh, along with Josh Green, Dor- uh, Dorian Finney-Smith is coming back. So you've got two really good 3 and D guys um, that, you know, Josh is hitting more open shots and so is Dorian. Um, so good good signs for the Mavs, uh, especially with, like, you, you can't just have Luca scoring you can't go 40, 20, and 20 every game, you know. No, it doesn't it's, work. It's outrageous. Um, and they'll get they'll they'll lose playoff games doing well, that. We so. said this last week, I think, but it's reminding me more and more of LeBron 2008 in Cleveland that the central yep. player is that good, that yes. he can win MVPs, you'll win 50 games in the regular season, but you've got no chance of nah. beating elite playoff sides. Yeah. Well, to be frank, I don't think Dallas has any chance of getting to the finals personally this year. Yeah. Because there's just not a second superstar or even... Jalen Brunson, not to rub salt into the wound. Come on, man. A second ball handler that can initiate offense and score at a good clip. Yeah. Dallas needs that. And no matter what happens this year, that's what they need to do this offseason. Mm. It might even involve trading our mate Josh Green to get that. Yeah. But they're going to have to go out and find a second banana to Luca. They do, they do. And I mean, at, the, at this point in time last season, I had no expectation that they are going to get to the Western Conference Finals, and they did, so... Who knows what will happen? Um, ben Simmons, let's keep going. There's some, some Australians. Ben Simmons, uh, so his first chance tonight to perform without KD and Kyrie in the team. Uh, he scores 10 points, 4 of 10 shooting, uh, 10 rebounds and 11 assists, 4 steals, 2 blocks, 7 turnovers. Not great, but it is encouraging to see that he can contribute to the team. I don't actually know if they won that game. I didn't even... They lost to the Spurs, which is a bit oh, sad, isn't it? Yeah, so look... Uh, if you're looking just on paper, you're like, oh, okay, triple double. Um, he's doing some things, and he's and he's carrying a bit of more weight without Katie and Curry. But mate, you got to beat the Spurs. I'm going to read out these numbers here. Tell me what you think this is. Okay, zero, four, six, seven, four, two, ten, four. Uh, that Ben Simmons is scoring out point in his last eight games before this oh morning. Boy. <laughs> so that reads like a. I was thinking. I was like, turn over. But that's points. That Jeez. reads like a, a phone number of someone you'd pick up in the club, 0467. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, again, Ben's scoring 10 points this morning. Okay, that's good. But someone has to score points without Durant yeah, and Irving that's right. there. And it was only 10. And it was only the Spurs who, to be frank, are one of the worst four teams in the league. So, mm. 
They actively are trying to lose. They're trying to lose every game, and they rolled the nets this morning. <laughs> and for Brooklyn, I was going to say you've got to feel for Brooklyn fans, but let's be frank, there aren't many of them. But yes. for the four fans that are out there for Brooklyn, it really speaks to how fickle this franchise is that before we recorded last week, Durant was in my eyes top two with MVP, yes. then won 18 of 20 games. They were surging up the standings. Durant goes down, and they've lost their last three games. One was against Boston and Italy, but yes. they lose to OKC at home and San Antonio on the road. Yep. And... They go from sitting in second spot, looking like they've got an MVP, looking like they're going to cruise into a top four seed, to now they're on a road trip out west. They're probably going to lose some more games. Yep. They're going to be in fifth spot by the end of the week. KD's going to miss a lot of time. He's going to miss until all-star break. Yep. And again, I have enjoyed Ben Simmons' career more than most. I got to see him up close for a year. But yep. if you're relying on him to be your leading scorer, you're not going to win many games in today's yep. NBA because he's just lost his touch and it's... Yep sad to see and hopefully he gets it back that's why I don't like ripping on him too much but yeah he needs to step up and take more shots because again looking at his last I'm going back to the start of December he's Mm -hmm. had one game where he's taken more than 10 field goals yeah so that's in two months only once he's taken more than 10 shots yep yeah, and, and not, you you're not playing four v five on offense when the guy's like, well, he's not going to shoot, so we don't even have to worry about getting up. Like we can, yeah. and we can cut off his good passing because we don't have to play up on him. He and can't use that to its advantage. And even what we said about Josh Giddy before, Ben is bigger, stronger, has more size than Josh. Giddy. Oh yeah. And what we said ten minutes before about Josh learning how to use his strength and his size and bully people inside. Yep. Scotty Barnes is doing this in Toronto at the moment yes. in his second year, figuring out how to use his body. They're attacking, drawing fouls, and taking shots at the basket. Yeah. Whereas we know the reasons why Ben isn't doing it, but the strict on-court interpretation is that he is a fringe role player, and if he ever wants to get back to all-star status, he has to get over this mental hurdle and start attacking the basket, drawing contact, and looking to shoot. It's pretty crazy to think that, you know, if he was out of contract, I I don't know how much longer he's got left on his contract. It might be a little while, but if, if if this was his last year of his contract... There wouldn't be many teams that are going out to sign him. Like, he'd probably end up in China or something. Well, he's got three years left. It's funny. I think it was the Rissillo podcast I was listening to last week, and someone was on talking about this exact thing. And if he was right. a free agent right now, what contract would he get? And they were theorizing, and I tend to agree, that he'd get a mid-level exception, two years, $20 million. Yeah, like the DeMarcus Cousins of... Paddy Mills is on $7 million a year. Yeah. So yep. it's a Paddy Mills-level contract for a player that's become Tony Allen. Not yeah. an all-star. Yeah. And so good. Good on Ben for Tony getting Allen. Him. It's a deep cut, isn't it? The grindfather. <laughs> Man, I haven't heard that name for a long time. Um, all right, let's go to... Uh, I've got a question from Saxon Sounus, as we say on Backchat. He is a Backchat listener. He sounds so like a soccer fan. I like that It name. could be Sounus, but we always say Sounus. So sorry, Saxon, if uh, we've butchered it. Uh, he is an NBL fan, um, but he has an NBA question for us. Um, it says, hey, lads, just wondering what you think... Uh, who you think could win in a USA versus the world current 5v5 in a game? So the world would have, which I probably agree in all these, Luka, um, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Giannis, Embiid, and Jokic. Very good starting Quality. five there. Um, USA would probably have Curry, Mitchell, Tatum, KD, and AD. I'm not sure those would be the five. Mm. Probably pretty close to that, but... Um, I would have to say, I'll keep reading. It's it's very interesting to think how they'd match up as the world would have a huge size advantage and could probably run their entire offensive through Giannis and Embiid. But on the other side, uh, KD's being guarded by Embiid. My theory is the game would never end as KD would trade pull-up twos with Embiid post-up scores, which is (laughs) true. Um, If it was like a... um, 
a regular game, obviously would have to end at some point, but it might be like a 72 to 68 final. Um, the, the world surely have this, right? Again, I think we spoke about this last week as well, where the last four MVPs haven't been Americans. Mm-hmm. And this would be a much better format for All-Star Weekend than the captain's yes. picks things they're doing at the moment. Yes. All-Star Weekend is low-key one of the most boring weekends in the NBA. Yep. They should juice it up a little bit, make it a little bit sexier. Yep. There's nothing Americans love more than trying to show how good they are. So That's we right. could get them a bit angry and they might actually get invested into the game. Yes. Because you're right, there are so many good international players. Even I'm looking through the list here, you've got Siakam, you've got Sabonis, even yep. Chris Esposingas, who isn't a great player, but who's the American equivalent of a tall seven-foot shooter. Yeah, You're talking someone like Myers Leonard, who is a much worse player than Chris Depp. So we've spoken about this a few times, but the world is starting to take over. Mm-hmm. And even again, next year we're going to get, I'm going to butcher his name, but Victor from France. Yep. I'm going to leave him at that. Wembanyama. Oh, good job. Something like that. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so the world is taking over. And again, we said this last week, as I keep saying, that Jason Tatum is the best MVP candidate from the American players at the moment. Yes. And those names you read out, you take Giannis over him, you take Luca. Yep. Embiid, maybe, maybe not, but Jokic, you would. So, again, the mm. world is very impressive at the Too moment. Strong. I would like to see this game that was suggested by Saxon because I think it would be a much better event yes. than the current All-Star setup. Well, they do – because they used to do rookie sophomore, right? And then that sort of turned they into – They do the world game in the rookie versus sophomore on yeah. the Friday night at All-Star. Yeah, and that's that's good. That's yeah. entertaining. Like, that's probably the most entertaining event out of all of them, apart from the skills challenge, which I enjoy. Um, but – that would be good. Maybe they should change it because, yeah, they, they they moved to just – they had East versus West and then they moved to obviously the Pick'em um, format, which the only good part about that is the actual draft. Yeah. Like the, the ESPN draft special where the players are picking. Now they do that – what's it called? That Elam ending where they're chasing the final score in the fourth quarter. Oh, that – yes. The, the last five minutes of the game is good because the yes. players try. But yep. for the first three and a half quarters, it's a pick-up game. Yeah. And even again, this year's, I'm laughing, this year's All-Star Games in Salt Lake City, yep. like just to let people know, NBA players do not like going to Salt Lake yes. City. So they'll all be booking their planes and their private jets to fly out five minutes after the game ends. <laughs> so anyone that's interested, they're going to be mailing in that All-Star game hard Definitely. in about a month's time because, yeah, Salt Lake City, yep. great place. People were nice to me, but not somewhere rich, young athletes want to be hanging out. No, that's right. Um, with the, uh, the All-Star game, it's definitely moved to – I remember maybe 10 years ago, a lot of setting each other for good dunks and, you know, letting the lane be open so that people could do that. Now it just feels like it's 40 minutes of players shooting up, um, pulling up from half court. Yeah. It's like long range threes. It's like, that's the thing now. Like just keep pulling up from three. The cool story I like to tell our friend Lee Ellis always tells a story from like the early to mid eighties or nineties. I forget when, when he fell in love with the NBA, it was because he got his hands on this VCR of an all-star game from that period. Yeah. And he always talks about how insanely competitive the game was. People were setting picks and fighting for loose balls. And that was how he fell in love with the game because it was a proper game done with all-star players and yes. just, again, I know times change and all of the like, but you watch the game now, it's a pickup game. You've got Trey Young shooting from half court. Yep. I think we'd all get better enjoyment out of watching people take a horse competition or shoot from half court yeah. <laughs> than walk through what is just a glorified pickup game. But yeah. again, we're probably not the target audience given that we already like the sport. That's right. Lee Ellis also did um, claim a bit of uh, glory with the three-point contest that players were were taking the ball from the rack on the wrong side. So instead of using your usual shooting motion and picking from the right, they were like crossing there. And 
wasn't it like one year that the player did that and maybe Curry did that for the first time and Ellis was like, that, I told everyone that's what they should be yeah, doing. Well, I trust Lee. Lee claims to have beaten Steph Curry in a shooting competition <laughs> once. So <laughs> yeah, I trust Lee. Um, okay, it's NBL time. Uh, there's a, a new award. So we did a chat about new awards in the NBA not too long ago and, and look, didn't love most of the uh, the renaming of the awards and there was that new one. What was the new uh, NBA The Clutch award? Player. Yeah, there we go. Um, so the NBL, You're a big fan. <laughs> the NBL now has the next gen award. So this replaces rookie of the year. Is that right? So uh, look, to be honest, rookie of the year is always odd as well because it wasn't a tight contest at all. It's usually one or two players that were considered for it, and there were certain stipulations and rules around who can, who's considered a rookie in that situation. So now the next gen award goes to a player or the best player under twenty five. Your, what's your thoughts on that? Because 25 is quite... It's quite old. Quite old, yeah. yeah. That could be a player who's been in the league for five years. Yeah, it's a bit insane, isn't it? There are two things. The first thing is the old Rookie of the Year criteria for the NBL was madness. Yes. Like international players couldn't win it, but next stars could. Yes. Even if they were international. And all of that came about three years ago because the NBL wanted Lamelo Ball to win the award. Yes. So they changed the rules to make sure Lamelo could win that. And it just made what should be a very simple process very convoluted. Yes. And so the getting rid of those criteria, I agree with that. Great idea. Too hard. Move on. But coming up with this new criteria and calling it a a next generation award or whatever term they've used, it just, again, feels a bit too complex. Yeah. Could it not just be the player in their first professional season under the age of whatever age? Yeah. Pick an age. Pick an age. Yeah. That's that's probably what it should be because can you win win it more than once? Well, no one knows. Because, okay. again, our friends at the NBL are just making this up on the fly. Because, <laughs> like, if there's a player who's 22, right, and like and just dominates for two or three years, he's just going to win the next-gen award every time. Well, even the, the Frolling boys, they've been in the league for years and years. Yeah. And I think it was Harry Frolling was putting on Twitter about this during the week that he could win it multiple times. Well, he's been <laughs> yeah. a professional for years now. I caught up with him when he was in college six years ago in the U.S., yeah, right. And he's eligible to win this award yes. now, which, again, call it what you will, it's the only NBL mechanism for awarding young players. So, yep. again, I get why the NBL do things. They want attention. They want clicks. They want uh, to point to all the stuff they've got going on. Totally agree with that. And who knows? The fact that we're talking about it probably <laughs> is proving that they've achieved what they want. But, again, for mine, they're just making something that should be pretty simple and pretty benign, overly yep. complex. Because yes. under the old award rules, Brady Manick wasn't eligible to win the award this year. I'm not saying right. he should or shouldn't, yep. but he wasn't eligible, but now he is under this new one. So yes. is that because they want to give it to the newest American or they want more attention or yep. I don't know what. The, um, I remember asking the NBL about LaMelo winning because um, the award, it just said that uh, they couldn't win it if they had been paid professionally in a league elsewhere before. And LaMelo won it. And I said, and I wrote them um, a message and I said, hey, um, Lamelo just played in Lithuania last season and got paid to play. How is it possible that he's won? And I just they they never responded and asked a few times and they just sort of bended the rules because they wanted Lamelo to win because it was good uh, good optics for the league. So yeah. look, I, I I don't know. It's uh, yeah. I think let's make it too hard. You could even just split the baby and have two. Right, have best rookie, best professional season, and keep the same award you've got now and do both. Yeah, but don't conflate both of them with the same thing. And That's again, right. It should be pretty simple. It should be simple. Uh, you went to the open air game at the Perth Wildcats. Uh, sorry, at RAC Arena. It was Perth Wildcats versus Adelaide. Was it Adelaide? 
It was the 36ers. Adelaide 36ers, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how was that? Because I, I saw some photos and it looked amazing, but um, you were actually there. What, tell us what it was It was like. very cool. I'm not normally one for gimmicks, but this yep. was a great night and it was the busiest I've seen RAC Arena since mm. I got back to Perth almost four years ago now. So right. I pulled a massive crowd, obviously helps the Wildcats, shot very well and put on a good show. But it was just a great initiative and it's something different. Again, we spoke about this last week, how us here in Perth, we can be quite resistant to change and don't like new things. Yes. But I thought it was a great idea. And I'm just thinking through this at the moment. I think the Wildcat really should try to make this an annual event. They should pick a night, whether it's New Year's Eve or Boxing Day, Christmas Day, Valentine's Day, whatever day it is, they should pick a day and just make this a tradition because they've Mm. got a full crowd and there was just, again, it was new, so I think people were more excited than they would be otherwise, but it was a full crowd, and it was just a great reason to get people to the basketball, which we both know the Wildcats have been struggling this year. Their crowd attendance is down. Yes. So for the sake of getting more people through the door and putting on a good show, there aren't many downsides to having this event. So, again, it was a great night, and I would encourage our Wildcats friends to be doing this every year. For sure. It was, it was the um, – I'm just checking to make sure I've got the name right. Is it the Catalini Cup? It is, yes. And uh, so, obviously, it's just the winner of that game wins the cup, and yeah. they retain it. Because you saw Catalini and Paul Rogers. You could see them walking down by yeah, the court right. before the game, just two massive yes. men. I've actually got a pretty crazy Paul Rogers story from my childhood. But, yeah, right. <laughs> he came to a Kalgoorlie one night and dunked on the rim. <laughs> Almost broke the entire arena because the ring didn't stop shaking for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I love that. Um, there you go. I remember one um, once when I was working at the Wildcats, there was a, the Catalini Cup. And I think it was, wasn't was till after the game that they realized they forgot about it. They didn't even realize it was like, oh, gosh. So I was the Catalini Cup and they didn't uh, – I don't think they awarded it or they awarded it at very last minute. It must be hard, right? Because they, do they award it after every game? During the season, yeah, that's right. And I think they've got to do it three or four times I think a year. Then. Adelaide had it, and they didn't bring it over or something. Like they forgot that they even had the trophy, so oh, well, it was just an awkward. Paul Rogers and Catalini are living large, right? No matter where they are, they get three vacations a year to Perth yeah, or Adelaide. Right. <laughs> Definitely. Um, where did Cairns come from? I like it shows that, like I, you know, I, I do follow the NBL from a distance. I'm not like watching every game and following the league, but all of a sudden they've just locked in the top two spot uh, alongside the Sydney Kings. I just did not just see that coming a month ago. No, they've played very well. And again, I'm probably a bit of a skeptic because with the NBL this year, I think there's the Sydney Kings. Yes. And then there's everyone else. The thing yep. that Cairns have done very well is they've won games that they should win. Yes. Again, we contrast this with the Wildcats all the time, losing yeah. twice to Brisbane. Cairns have been winning those games this year. So you're right. They're probably going to get second spot now, which gives them a spot into the semi finals and the best of three series round. Yes. But I think whoever finishes third or gets that third seed is going to be licking their chops because mm. for mine, I don't see much difference between Cairns in second and Melbourne United in sixth. To be frank, I think Melbourne is playing the best basketball of anyone at the moment. Yeah, right. Not named Sydney. And they're down in sixth spot. So again, they have kind of come from nowhere. They don't really get much attention. But for mine, I think Sydney is going to walk into the grand final series and Cairns will have home court trying to get through that semi. But it's anyone's game and whoever finishes in third is going to enjoy going up to Cairns, I think, because they're a slightly better version of the Wildcats in that they shoot a lot of threes, they play good offense. Their defense is much more solid than our friends in Perth, but they're by far an invincible team and they are a team that, yeah, might look might make me look foolish in a month's time, <laughs> but they've had a very good regular season. Funny you should say about a better-looking version of the Wildcats, uh, considering Adam Ford is now the coach and has spent a lot of time learning under Trevor Gleeson and uh, at the Perth Wildcats. Um, always thought he would be a, a good... Because um, he, he was coach at the Sydney Kings for a bit, and then that 
that sort of didn't work out. Um, and then when when Perth was looking for a coach, I thought, I wonder if Forty will be back. But I, I'm, obviously that that ship has sailed, and now he's doing very well at Cairns. He's probably stoked that he's not. Um, he coaching is. The Perth he must Rockets. have the most street cred with every coach in the league, doesn't he? Because yes. I laugh every time I see him with his uh, sleeveless top and he's got his sleeve tattoos, and you see him coaching on the sideline. Yes. My first thought is a bodyguard and enforcer. Yeah, and then you have to realize, oh shit. Yeah. He's the head coach he's of this team coach. and he's doing very well. Yeah, that's very good. Uh, all right, let's go one more thing before we uh, – uh, I have got a question and I was going to save this uh, for Greg who isn't here, um, but I'm going to throw this at you. I don't think we really we were able to cover it last uh, week and when we got the question through. So um, Brody wants to figure uh, – wants to hear our thoughts on uh, how the NBL is trying to sort of reach out into the Asian market. Um, so it says, I'm keen to find out uh, stance on international teams, which have previously failed in Singapore. There was the Singapore Slingers, Slingers right? I think it was. Yeah. Um, or joining a comp like the Southeast Asia Super League, where Gorge is currently coaching. Um, do you think, what do you think of that? Because there's some questions that I will ask for Greg another time around the Players Association and if they think they'd be on board. I don't think you were a part of the Players Association. No, the I NBL. haven't uh, quite got the promotion yet. Um, but uh, do you think that there is sort of potential... For that sort of thing? Yeah, look, I'm a massive soccer fan. Shout out to Leeds United. So I think the European yep. soccer model is what to follow here because I don't think you want teams in Singapore or Manila playing in your regional leagues because that's so much travel going back and forth. Yes. So I think with the NBL itself, keeping that within Australia and New Zealand is the way to go. But I love the idea of a Champions League-style tournament yeah. where you've got the best two or three teams from Australia, playing in group games against the teams of Japan, from Manila, from China, the whole lot of it. Yep. Because you talk about the Players Association, and I get the reservations around travel, but if you can make it commercially work, then look at, again, European soccer, that the Champions League drives more revenue than the Premier League. Yes. So if you're in the Champions League, you're making tens of millions of dollars, which, again, the money's not going to match up, but the same yep. theory could apply, because if you can get a league set up with those Asian teams get some TV right, sell them off to a massive Southeast Asian market, Yes, then I think there's something there. So mm. I like the idea. I do think, as I said, you're going to have to get the dollars to line up to get the Players Association on side because yep. the Basketball Players Association in Australia is quite strict and quite rigid with a lot of things. But I would love to see this. It would yeah. be much more entertaining than seeing just random games on a weeknight. You can actually have a league and a fixture where you've got the NBL on the weekends and midweek games can be the Champions League games. Yep. And that would be great to see. Mm, huge. What do you think? happened to that? Yeah, no, I like that actually. It is, um, I guess the, the tricky thing, I don't know really how it works with the European League. I guess travel maybe is easier, but because the, when they, they, do they have like a two-week break and then they play Champions League games? No, or so they play it's... league games every weekend and they've got the Champions League games on a Wednesday night. Right. But you're hitting at a good point. The travel is taking care of private jets because we're talking yes. nine, ten-figure businesses. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've still got NBL players flying commercial at the moment. So That's right. So they would need to fix that, mm. and it's going to come back to getting the money to make that work. For sure. Um, the other thing I was just thinking about is the mid-season tournament. Is that still a thing? The NBA the is going to crank it up in the NBL. Yeah, didn't they do like – didn't the Perth Wildcats win some mid-season tournament Ooh. like two seasons ago? I think they experimented with it, but that's completely slipped my brain. That might have happened when I was in I'm going to just quickly check because I remember the Wildcats won it and it was like uh, – oh, maybe – you know what? Someone, someone can write into us if I've like maybe I dreamt it, but I swear there was this weird sort of you're just merging all those championships you won at the Wildcats together into a fever <laughs> yeah. dream. One, one, <laughs> one championship didn't get a ring. That's okay. Um, that's fine. I remember John really said if they win a chip this year, you're getting his chip. So we yeah, need to make sure he that did happens. say that. I got to remember that. Um, 
Instagram where you can get in contact with, uh, contact with us is backchat underscore basketball. And you can email us. Ben, you could even email me if you want. Uh, I, know, I might send in some uh, listener questions from yeah. my alias next week. Please, yeah. Hello at backchatpodcast.com.au. We do like asking, uh, answering questions. So please send them through. Uh, there's lots of MBL, lots of NBA coming up, which we'll continue to talk about next week. Otherwise, Ben, any final thoughts for people as you start to well, continue to pack up and move to Melbourne? No, no, I'll take all thoughts and prayers as I try to yes. pack up my place and survive. But uh, yeah, I'll uh, be with you next week in Perth for one last hurrah before I go to Melbourne in a front of the bus, not first place. <laughs> Shame. <laughs> ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com That episode from Backchat Studios lives on the ACAST Creator Network. If you want to sign up as a patron or access all of our merch, head to backchatpodcast.com.au.